How to Think is a series of slow conversations between humans who re-center the work of listening, healing, justice, and love. Created with recording and technical support from Rosalind Odes, and with editing, mixing, and sound design by Feely and Studio Apothecaire. This is a DAS podcast presented in partnership with the Centre for Performance Philosophy at the University of Surrey in the UK and is part of the AHRC project Performance Philosophy and Animals, led by Laura Cull O'Malerka, head of DAS Graduate School in Amsterdam. For transcripts, full credits and acknowledgements, including land and water acknowledgements, please visit the Performance Philosophy website, which is linked in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to the fifth and final episode of the podcast, How to Think. I'm your host, Rajni Shah, and in this episode, I have the great pleasure of being in conversation with a dear friend, Omi Kemi. This episode is really very much about the values of friendship, kinship, love, and reciprocity. In many ways, this one feels to me the most like an invitation to eavesdrop on a long and intimate conversation between friends. This one also dives into some deep places, so I encourage you to listen at a pace that works for you and to pause as and when you feel the need. There's a strong water element in and around this conversation, which returns again and again to the ocean. The sounds you hear were recorded by Omikemi at Gullen and Portobello Beach on the Scottish coast. There are, as always, show notes to accompany this episode if you want to follow up on anything that's mentioned. And there is also a corresponding episode in which Omikemi offers us a question to sit with and move with. One last time, then. I hope you enjoy the listening. It's an experiment in listening and an experiment in trust. And um, 
so thank you for trusting me to do this um, and what I'm really inviting is that we both just bring ourselves whatever that means in this moment but also that we we speak with each other like in a in a way that isn't already thinking about it being recorded or thinking about what it might be and that we just try and let something emerge yeah can i say something there or yeah of course you can say something at any point okay that's great <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah look, i'm just kind of approaching it as though i'm talking with you as i would you know yeah yeah so i just thought just thought i might let you know that in case you're wanting something else <laughs> no that's exactly what i'm wanting okay Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm inviting us to be, I'm welcoming inarticulacy and also wanting us to be okay with silences and listening as part of our conversation. There's, I don't want us to feel like there's any need to fill up the space or to worry about time or to have to say anything. Um, I'm really interested in us kind of placing words between us and, you know, responding if we want to respond, but also sometimes they might just sit there between us and we might say something in response, we might not, and they might sit between us uncomfortably or they might sit between us really peacefully, but I'm really interested in those, um, in the silences. In a, in a conversation and how much they're a part of a conversation. So, yeah, I'm inviting listening to be valued equally to speaking. Um, and this next thing is kind of, I'm not married to it, but it's, um, I'm inviting us to avoid direct questions just because they can get a bit like, um, I guess I feel like questions can be quite coercive and I'm really interested in questions being open to sit between us rather than directed. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the final thing I wanted to say is that everything is welcome. Yeah, everything is welcome. Uh, yes, I'm just acknowledging the room that I'm in. Um, it's like a little meditation space. There are some bookshelves and there's a bunk bed. It's a bunk bed that I was meant to sleep in. But I, I sleep on the floor. So I think it was only about a year and a half ago that I got a mattress. And I've been sleeping on the floor for many, many years. So the idea of a bunk bed <laughs> seemed <laughs> it's definitely not 
not the thing for me. So, yeah, um, I'm not at home. Uh, I'm in Edinburgh. Uh, I've been trying to find out, like, the, I guess the, maybe the native people here and like everywhere it's, it's a complicated story. So I'm going to choose not to name anyone, but acknowledge that I'm in this particular part of the UK, uh, where there's a lot of fireweed, actually. What I'll do is I'll acknowledge some of the herbs that I was walking with and through yesterday on the hill. So shout out to some heather and fireweed. <laughs> Many other things that were up there. Ah, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel a little bit tense uh, in my upper back and my legs, and it's interesting. This morning, this morning, I feel quite um, steady and quite sober <laughs> uh, and being close to the sea for the last for the last few days week um, has really brought me into this dreaming kind of psychic space <laughs> and it's great but it's also quite um just makes me woozy so yeah I feel quite steady feel quite grounded a little bit of tension uh, and yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious about how much openness there really is to this process. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a little bit of a, there's a lot, there's curiosity. There is um, mischievousness and there's suspicion. And then I'm I'm feeling really um, it's like I don't really know how to hold it, but I am holding it and I'm holding it against my sternum or maybe by my thymus, but I'm holding it that you have invited me into this and you and you think that I may have something that's worth listening to. Uh, ah, yeah, and that feels very precious to me. So I'm, yeah, I'm kind of trembling while I'm holding that, whatever that is. <laughs> but I do feel mischievous, yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I appreciate the honesty of that. I 
What do I need to say? It's funny because I started talking to you. I've had a whole day here waiting for us to meet and uh, preparing in various ways. And I started talking to you in the shower this morning. And I, so I've had so many conversations already <laughs> and kind of arrived myself many times. Um, so I should say that I'm on Bejigal lands, um, unceded Bejigal lands. I'm not at home either, very much not at home. I'm in an office in a university. So it's it feels important to acknowledge that there's... Um, I'm in a place that feels quite disconnected from what I'm doing. And maybe even that has a violent relationship to, you know, that definitely has so much of the time a violent relationship to the lands on which it sits. Um, but also to, I think, this kind of work that I'm trying to do, which is so much about knowledge systems and wisdoms that can't and don't fit and are not welcome in a place like this. So it's a strange place to be. I also feel very lucky that um, somebody has allowed me to be here and that people have supported me in all kinds of ways to make this happen. So... Um, yeah, I'm grateful for the, for them. I'm clutching this crystal that you gave me once. And I'm really not very good at facts. And so I, I don't even know what it is. But it's been a companion to me ever since you gave it to me. Um often really close, um, sometimes when I've been sleeping. And so I'm, I'm holding on to this, and I also have a spirit stone that was made by an Aboriginal artist on Gumbaingir lands. So those are my companions. And yeah, I think I feel I'm always really interested in, in your your energy, because I do feel so often it's, it's mischievous and irreverent and also incredibly deep and grieving and painful and honest and <laughs> just so many things. So I'm really... Um, I'm curious, too. I'm curious. Yeah, and um, in one of my arrivals into our conversation, just maybe an hour ago, I was thinking about armor. I'm always thinking about armor. I'm sure that you and I have talked about armor so many times, but I was thinking about this idea of trust or vulnerability and, like, I was imagining, could I, could I, or will I, or am I taking off 
my armor to be in this conversation. And then I thought, what feels so much more intimate and challenging in a way. No, maybe not challenging. Intimate and what I desire more than that is to show you my armor and for you to know it and touch it and be with it. So I, I kind of want to acknowledge that too, that I'm not here without armor, for sure. But I am, I am here very, very willing to, I think very willing to, to have you be with my armor, which feels like a very intimate state. I think that's, that's my arrival. Thank you. Is it okay to be in response to uh, yeah, in some way in response to what you've just shared? Yeah. It is. Thanks for asking. So... It was... It was the word armour. And I guess because you know that I'm mischievous, immediately <laughs> I thought, armor, oh, a synthetic thyroid preparation. <laughs> and I knew that you weren't talking about that, but I kind of like doing that sometimes. <laughs> it's like, this thing is something else too. And I guess something that's really significant in my life, because as you know, I don't, I don't have a a thyroid. And then I came back to the, you know, to the moment. And um, I had a thought yesterday. I was outside doing some writing um, by the sea. And I had this thought, which is when does, when does vulnerability become a hustle? 
because I had the image of you and some armor. And then I thought, oh, what's my armor? And I think sometimes my armor can also be a kind of maybe faux nakedness too. That's very armoring too. I feel like I can be quite raw and unedited. But sometimes that's the hustle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's that question. And I feel like so many of us have been beckoned. <laughs> it's like incense. You know like when you watch incense unravel, it's like it's calling. <laughs> like it's calling you. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like so many of us have been beckoned into um, undressing. I don't know where these images are coming from. Maybe undressing like the incense stick, you know, it's like undressing and showing your vulnerability. And then somehow there's a moment where that slips into the game, into the hustle. And I'm, I'm really exploring that in myself. Where it becomes something. Yeah, or it becomes something that I, in some way, sell. Yeah. Vulnerability. There's so much around that at the moment. For all these different speakers. And everyone wants to be vulnerable. <laughs> ah. Hmm. I'd like to be too. But I think that means different things for different people. And I'm quite resistant to this kind of uniform vulnerability. Hmm. That thought came in response to this book that I've been reading by a, whew, uh, a Canadian writer. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what group or tribe she's from, actually. But the, the book is called Heartberries, anyway. Mm. And there's something about, um, at the beginning, I can't really remember it now, but, you know, she talks about, at some point her story became the hustle. And uh, I feel like s somehow that's, it came back, it came back to me yesterday in my own little dreaming by the sea thinking about my, yeah, thinking about the way that I carry, that I carry my armour. Anyway, it often feels good for me to also, <laughs> it's interesting, 
for me to cite, for me to acknowledge. Yeah, it's not sight. It's not citing. I'm not a citing person. <laughs> it's for me to acknowledge. <laughs> um, but you see, it's so easy to get pulled in, to get pulled into that uh, that language. Mm. I like acknowledgement. Actually, it's important for me to acknowledge where things come from, when I know, mm. when I can, and when I remember. And when that remembering is like from my body. And that body is not only my physical body, but the energetic and the dreaming body, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah. Which is troublesome, so I don't feel like anything's mine. <laughs> mm. But. I'm wondering why that would be troublesome. Well, it potentially makes me a fantastic Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what I'm going for. <laughs> um, because, because... Because somewhere in the universe, uh, there were ancestors and there are descendants and they're, they're playing music for me and for you, Rajni. And they're singing for us and they're chanting for us. And I'm only just coming into really feeling this, like that there are people that have prayed for my arrival, for me to be here at this time on this land, in this conversation, that there's something that I'm meant to be doing here, big or small or medium. And so there is something that is my own, you know, there's something in me that is that is me. It's no it's no one else. It's a very specific offering, gift, medicine. And I think not to acknowledge that is to is to disrespect those ancestors and the descendants who are calling for it too. It's kind of to ignore. It's to ignore that call. And I've been doing that a long time. <laughs> And it's no good. It's no good for the bones, for the blood. Mm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That speaks to me. I, I think the language that I've been using for the thing that I think you're describing or the thing that I hear through your words is one of weight or gravity and I could not really tell you why. I've always, 
I've always been a little bit obsessed with this. I remember writing in my diary when I was young, quite young. It was not my first diary. I was writing about this like coming to earth and gaining weight and being on earth and being heavy. And recently it's come back to me, not that image, but this this sense of being too light to exist and wanting to feel gravity. And that might not sound like the same thing that you just described, but it feels very aligned to me with something that we've spoken about before, actually, which is this, my, what I thought was a truth for most of my life, which was that I don't have a story. And that, again, I couldn't tell you why I I felt that was a truth, but I lived with that truth for so many years that now that I'm trying to unpick it. There's just a lot of blankness there. Mm. So... Yeah, I've, I feel I feel like I I felt it, what you were saying. Um, I guess like the threads, the connecting threads between your your uh, description of this experience is like the sentences would be for me, you know, that like what brings you what anchors you and what makes you stay. Like for me, that's what I heard as the gravity Mm. in a way. So that's how I feel connected, how I feel like my own experience connects to what you just said. But does that that seem to connect in some way? Mm. Or have I missed you? No, it feels resonant. Yeah. What brings you? What anchors you? What makes you stay? Yeah, what makes you stay, huh? Because <laughs> there are so many reasons to leave right now. Yeah. There's a quote that I love, and I think it somehow connects into all of this. And it's from this book. Um, for some reason, I feel a little bit of shame saying this. <laughs> but yeah, um, so the the book is a book of the book of Thomas or the book of Saint Thomas. Um, I might have said this to you already, actually. Uh, and so the book of Thomas is like a. Um, it's believed to be like a bunch of uh, Christian. Gnostic texts um, that weren't included in the Bible or were found, they were found somewhere in, in Egypt in like the 40s, 
in the Nag, Nag Hammadi. The collection is called the Nag Hammadi. So it's a bit of background, but anyway. Um, you know, it's even interesting that I felt that I needed to do that. <laughs> that I couldn't just say it. You know, and I can't, and I feel that often. I often feel like, look, Omi Kimmy, you're under researched <laughs> and you're, and you're irrelevant, you know. And I don't think mm-hmm. that is just my insecurity. I think there's something about, like, I feel like people are always checking, yes, but who said this first? Yes, but where? And why can't it just arrive, you know? Mm. But anyway, clearly I am also mm. at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the quote is, what a long introduction to the quote. It's going to be really disappointing <laughs> now. The quote, the quote is, uh, if you bring forth... Uh, what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. And if you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Hmm. Feels so, so true to me. Yeah. Yeah. What makes me stay is people like you, Rajni. That's what makes me stay. And being able to have these conversations and the sea and the sky that give so much perspective. And my bike that lets me zip around (laughs) and flee. Yeah, my bike brings me so much joy. That makes me stay (laughs) in a a strange way. It probably sounds contradictory, but... (sighs) Yeah, some really precious people in my life who, who are patient. And there are some ancestors as well who who make me stay. (laughs) They're like elders, like you're having your hair done (laughs) and you're kind of wriggling around and they're like, keep still. (laughs) You know, sometimes they're like that. They're like, no, you're going to, you're, you're here for this one. Like this is, this is not a holiday. I think I heard (laughs) someone say once like, this is, you you didn't come here on vacation, you know? (laughs) Which doesn't mean I think you came here to be in pain. I don't think it means that. I Mm. think it means you're here to enjoy yourself. But there's also, you know, there's also your work, whatever that is. And that could be blowing bubbles, like, on all kinds of levels. Do you know what I mean? It could be literal, could Mm. be metaphorical. Yeah, but you're here to do your thing. What's your thing, Rajni? 
that was a direct question if ever I heard one. <laughs> Take it any way you like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could answer that question. But I know, I know what my thing is very deeply and clearly at this point in my life. But I don't think... I don't think it fits very easily into words. But it is about people. I feel very similarly like I am surrounded by these incredible constellations and in particular there are people who allow me to hmm so a friend said this really beautiful thing recently which was and they were a bit shy about saying it but we were talking about how about the first time we saw each other and how we both had a crush on each other and or we have talked about that previously so that's kind of the context and they said I I realized something recently I realized that when I met you you had this these shiny eyes <laughs> and I just thought wow what is that and I've realized that what was shining in your eyes was that you were seeing me. I think that is my gift that I, it's, it's a reciprocal gift that I give and receive. But there's something actually very profound about that observation for me that also, yeah, could sound really superficial, but there's something about that that's really like, oh, I've been allowed to meet people who I recognized Yeah. I get what that person said to you. I think it's true. It's my experience of you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever... I think I've tried to tell you, but... It's probably been one of the most significant things... gestures that uh, that's changed how I viewed myself and the story that I was telling myself about who I am and what I'm capable of. <laughs> and um, you, you were, I can't remember what the process is called, is it called a viva? 
Is that what it's called? It's a mm. PhD thing. Mm. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. So you, you, yeah. So you'd returned um, to to England to uh, to do that process. I think this is it. Look, you can tell me if I'm getting the details wrong, but I think this is kind of it. And <laughs> then you had a gathering, and and you asked me, yeah, you asked me, can I can I give you something? And like, I won't, for as long as I live, I won't ever forget that. Uh, and I don't know if it, you know, re referring back to what your friend said, I don't know if it is about your ability to see the other person in a way, because I think that's part of what's in there and person can see themselves but anyway um it was the first time it was the first time that I'd experienced someone checking that it was okay to give me something and I feel like that meant it meant that you cared, actually. And I feel like so often what can happen in, in the giving process is that the, the proximity <laughs> and how it feels for the receiver, so many things are not considered. Um... And then, then it totally undermines the giving for me in my experience. And as I'm speaking about it, it makes sense in terms of the work that you do, creating spaces for listening and, and, and speaking. But anyway, it was really big for me because I, I had a, and it's still there from time to time, you know, you know when it's like you have a weekend when you play like your classics, you know? <laughs> you get your old <laughs> tunes out. <laughs> well, well, I can have that in my mind, but they're like they're not great classics. They're like they're like the old narrative, like <laughs> the old tapes. And uh, you know, one of the, the old tapes is like that I'm not capable of receiving. And 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 you and I you just you just like you just open that and you just it was just like actually no I am I totally am but like this is one of the conditions maybe you know yeah yeah. I wanted to loop back a bit. Mm. So I'm thinking about your eyes, the description of your eyes in this, what your friend said. And it's like you can see something. 
And I, I'm not even sure all the time that you're aware of what you're seeing <laughs> either. But that is something that allows you to just be with the seeing. And it's making me think back to this, the description of the gravity and what I'm calling like the offering, the purpose, the medicine. And that what all of this really requires is like the people, the places, I don't know, the communities, whatever it is that recognize you. And recognize you have an, an offering. Like I feel like our lives are like these missions where we go we go on these missions and there's some kind of sacrifice, you know, that we bring back, that we bring to our community. And it's like really in the receiving of that that offering. And like the seasoning of it, you know, people season it and they marinate it. And like that's how the gift or whatever it is is activated but it's activated in this relation, in this, I guess, reciprocity in some way. And I think it's disorientating not to have this. And it's one of the, the many reasons why I'm grateful for, for having you in, in my life, because I feel like it really, you reorientate me. <laughs> There's something reorientating about it too, you know. It's like ah, ah, ah. This is home. <laughs> ah, home is this direction, you know. Because <laughs> often I'm following that smoke, you know, that smoke we talked about at the beginning, the incense, like that beckoning. Like mm -hmm. often I'm, I'm fucking mm -hmm. following smoke home, <laughs> like. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you get my point. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, the thing about it is that you offer that to me too. That's the constellation mm. that I'm in that will, you know, that you're in differently because your constellation is different, but you're also part of my constellation. And so I think I used to be, I didn't used to know I could experience that in my relationships. So I think I might have provided that for other people and they weren't providing it for me. And that's not anybody's fault. But it, it, I think I didn't used to know how Ah, uh, knowing. <laughs> there are things that I've known 
all of the things that I didn't used to know I also knew. Mm. I just didn't pay attention. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) That makes me want to lie down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Felt that in my bones. (laughs) I think it's easy at the moment that there's a lot of rhetoric. (laughs) There's a lot of story around knowing and your deep knowing and Mm. You know, different forms of knowledge and knowing. And, but I think it's easy to move into spaces of shaming people because they're not fully in tune with whatever their specific knowing is yet, you know? Mm. Just in the way that some, I guess, um, ways of thinking can become quite exclusive I think that that can happen in the in the school of subjugated knowledges <laughs> too. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's why in some realms, you know, I don't feel like I fit anywhere. <laughs> I feel like I'm always in between. Mm. And there's something you said earlier about You know, this is something that I find hard is. Yeah, I said, you know, what's your thing? And and you said, actually, that, you know, I got a sense that of you being sure in yourself, but, you know, the words, that thing around words. But you said it had something to do with people. Uh, And I'm. I'm glad you spoke about it in that way because it's such an area of insecurity for me. And I got an email yesterday and it was something to do with, you know, someone wanting to talk a bit about body, body work. Um, And uh, it was like an introduction and the person introducing me said, you know, Omi Kemi does many things. Like it was, it was like, it was quite clear that they still don't know how to introduce me. <laughs> and I think that's the case for a lot of people. They're like, yeah, but what is it? This is kind of like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, not knowing, not knowing, you know, is it okay is it okay for you to not know exactly what it is that I do? Is it okay for me to not know? Am I still a person? Am I still worth talking to? <laughs> Am I still worth inviting into a conversation? I think I think that comes up for me a lot, you know, because there's such a pressure to be like, I am this in the world and I do this and and I think some of it is also my um, my own issues, clearly, uh, in terms of the, with visibility, you know, and my own issues with 
maybe commitment. Although I think I'm deeply committed to some very fucking difficult things, actually. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think. See, here's where being in reciprocity is a survival tool. Because the relationships that I'm in where the giving and the receiving aren't separable, maybe, are the ones where I can see why I have a right to exist even when I can't see it for myself because I can so deeply see it and understand it for another person. Mm. Or I can understand why it's so important that you are being you and doing the work that you do in the world right now. And I can also understand why It's, it's hard to feel like that work is valued, complicated word, um, but valued in a way that isn't a, a consuming, mm. which I guess comes back to the hustle. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is one of my, this is why I don't feel I'm very marketable. <laughs> um, in some ways. Yeah. But I <laughs> mean, listen to that phrase, you know. <laughs> I had a whole career in which I had to market myself and my body as a performance maker and I stopped and I walked away from that. I just want to take a take a moment. Mm. I wanted to say
yeah, that systems, systems are people. Just felt important to say that. Like they don't exist without people. And it's like, there's a lot of like, <clears throat> we've got to take this system down or, like the system is me. <laughs> you know, not all of me, but some of me. Mm. A lot of it exists in me. Mm. And that's hard work to do. You know, the eternalized, internalized, I said eternalized. I fucking hope not. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Lie down now. <laughs> yeah, intern like the internalized uh oppression. Yeah. That's like that's the work for me. That's part of the work. Um I wish, I wish, I wish. Uh, I wish the work was more like <clears throat> cultivating joy, you know. But I'm I'm starting. I'm so happy to be, to get older and to <laughs> to kind of start to accept that that's not the energy that I came here with, you know. It's part of it <clears throat> sometimes. But yeah. I've got like Pluto in the eighth house and I'm a Scorpio moon, like, <laughs> mm. it's heavy, it's, it's transformation. Mm. You know, it's stuff that I don't want to look at, other people don't want to look at. So yeah, it's been difficult for me to, to like hold that space as a person, walking through the world. It upsets people. <laughs> it upsets me. <laughs> um, somehow this, I don't know why it's come back, but the hustle, the vulnerability and the hustle. And <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Walking away. He spoke about walking away. And I think, yeah, I think in that sense, we're like the two, you know, that mainstream image of Pisces, like the two fish swimming in the opposite directions. And it feels to me like I am now, I've spent a lot of time doing that and I'm wanting to walk towards, you know, to in some way become more defined, you know? In, in what I'm doing here. And I feel like part of the process is <laughs> strangely, because I've, there's been such violence uh, but strangely part of what's going on for me is about, is about care. Hmm. I was quite hesitant to use that word.
and people who require care. Uh, people who require attentiveness. Um, like, look, so, you know, some aspects of my life have been really unbearable. You know, I've had very extreme experiences. And this is not, <laughs> someone called it recently like an oppression Olympics. And this is not like, mm. this is not that, you know, I'm just saying that actually, yeah, I'm going to own it and say like there are certain levels and depths that I go to that I could only go to because of those experiences. And there are certain places that I can sit with people. For example, people that are suicidal actively. So I'm starting to understand it as a as a gift, you know? Yeah. There's a uh <laughs> without getting all Brene Brown, like this there's, there's a there is a there is a uh there's a potency, actually. There's a potency yeah. and there's something radical about vulnerability in a, in a certain way. But, it, but it's often been made like, it's kind of a dismissed or you're like, oh, you're weak or you're fragile if you need, if you need care, mm. you know. But actually, we all need care. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because of the systems which are made up of people, <laughs> we, um, some of us, uh, like, live this, like, the fragility every day, you know. I think some of us live, uh, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? Someone else said it a lot better. Something about being violently uncared for. Mm. Yeah. Some of our bodies, unfortunately, are in that zone on a daily, minute to minute, you know. So I went into a shop here. I've always got these little stories, but oh, fuck it. I went into a shop and, uh, you know, <laughs> I was just, it was one at a time. It was on a sandwich board outside. One person at a time. Really mm. big, brightly coloured, like, play school writing. You know, it would attract a little kid for sure. It was that kind of setup. So I was in there just shopping and... <laughs> And then uh, the shop assistant, there was someone else that wanted to come in and the shop assistant said, oh yeah, it's fine, come in, there's no one in, there's no one else in here. <laughs> and then I, and I was like, hang on a minute, 
No one else? <laughs> oh. Oh, I guess I'm the no one else. Hmm. You know? And look, this isn't anything new to many of us out here. But it's just an example of that everyday, the everyday stuff. <clears throat> and so that creates people who need a lot of, who need care. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I think part of what I'm wanting to get at is that, yes, there is a point when the vulnerability can become the hustle but the vulnerability can also be the place of like deep transformation <clears throat> and it mm. can be potent and it can be quite radical you know as well to turn to each other in that way and it's hard mm. it's hard to you know <clears throat> especially when all 10 of your buttons have been pushed. <laughs> mm. Like, let's show up for some care then, you know? Yeah. And that's why it was beautiful what you said, actually, about not so much about, you know, taking off the armour but showing the armour. That's a beautiful place to start. Caring. Mm. Yeah. feel like I'm not political enough you know I should be talking about what really matters <laughs> but but, um, but this is this is what matters actually but see this is where this is where the mirroring happens because I say that all the time about myself and I feel that all the time every day <laughs> Really? I'm not political enough. I'm not involved in activism. I'm not, you know, in movements. <laughs> There's a lot of language that mm, mm, mm. I don't even know what it means, <laughs> some of it. And yet, I feel like... Yeah, it just depends how you how you interpret that word, doesn't it? But mm. you know, sure you're not involved in party politics, maybe, or maybe you are, I don't know. Um but political? Like yeah, I feel like it's so political to understand the systems or the systemic in the ways that you've just explained it or talked about it. And to understand the facts and the gifts of your own experiences 
In some way, it feels hugely political, but I'm, I also, yeah, I also don't, I don't know what to do with that word, really. Yeah, don't know either, I just whipped it out. <laughs> Maybe I shared this image with you. This has been a thing for me from from a child, you know. Like I, I, I think in like if you if you imagine like blowing, you know when you blow a bubble. You know, from a kid, I, it, images for me were like you know when the the bubble is just just beginning to expand, you know, before it leaves the the handle, and like images would come like that for me, and then I'd like watch them like float off and then they pop <laughs> and I remember sitting there for hours like like that and and I feel grateful that that hasn't really ever left you know um and I had quite a strong image um things about a few months ago maybe two months ago and the image was of me lying I was lying down on, I was lying on the ocean on a plank of wood and um, I'm, I'm fine, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm on the ocean on a plank of wood, okay, and I'm aware that I'm moving and that feels okay. And then at some point, for some reason, I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not right. So something happens and... I try to bring my body upright, you know, and I can't because my my feet and my hands are tied. And then, I, like it was, it was only when I struggled that there was a problem. And anyway, I, like I worked with that image for a while. Like I have this <clears throat> kind of image amplification process that I do sometimes. Hmm. It takes a while. It takes a while for the messages to get through. And anyway, the words came that I was finally like I had my, my feet and hands tied and they kind of finally, I was finally free. I was finally free to be carried. You know? Mm. And I've had like, yeah, I've had so much. What stops me, what scares me, what, you know, these things is trust, actually. It's trust that there is something there supporting me and carrying me. And that, and that something manifests itself through 
Hills sees these conversations, people like you in my life, you know. So that was like a really big moment for me just two months ago, like really to get to receive that image. And it's like, okay, we, we're going to, we're going to shut this down <laughs> so that, so that, so that you, so that you all let us carry you, you know? Mm. I'm sure many people have been through this, but this is how, This is how they come and they talk with me. Mm. Who are they? I don't know. I think they're the same people that my grandmother would talk to. <laughs> I'd walk into the kitchen and she was like, talking to the air, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, who's she talking to? But like, I kind of, I get it now. I get it now, you know. So that's who they are. <laughs> that's, it's such a, it's such a powerful image. You have shared it with me before. Mm. I'm really glad you shared it again. Um, I was, I had a strong feeling recently to re-find the, um, the transcript from my visit to the Clairvoyant <laughs> in 2010, maybe. The clairvoyant who had just a sign, a painted sign, I think it was, on, on this road in Cornwall that just said clairvoyant and had a phone number. <laughs> um, and I thought, okay, yeah, got to do that. <laughs> and it was so, oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing to look back actually on all of the things that she described seeing um, and she just dropped into this place and described what she saw and occasionally she'd say does that make sense to you and if I said no she would try and describe it in a different way um, and she said at one point yeah they're telling me you it was something like you do have the capacity to see them as well and hear them. <laughs> yeah. And it's something I know, you know, it's that knowing again, isn't it? I know at some level, but how do you talk about that? And then I told my mum that I'd seen a clairvoyant. She said this amazing phrase, you do know that's a complete waste of time and money. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> so clear, you know, so clear. 
Anyway, that's a whole other story that we probably shouldn't get into right no, now. No, no, no. It's it's um. Well, I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel. I don't feel like that. Actually, it feels like it's part of the. When I think about the image, and it's part of the struggle. <sighs> like, I don't know. It's like letting go of, letting go of what we know and, and kind of moving into what we at least feel in the moment of entering that room that we don't know, you know. And then we get in the room and go, oh, actually, that is familiar. <laughs> I think that's the kind of, that's part of that struggle, you know, a part of like getting up and be like, oh, actually... Oh no, I, I can just allow myself to be carried into that space. Mm. Um, and I feel like that, that you know, the, the voice, them, they, you know, wh whoever, however we name it, I feel like that's always there. And uh, I feel like that's what's new for me in my life now is that I know that it's always there. And that it always, and these words, these are bad words, aren't they? Always, never. Usually they indicate that you're in some kind of regressive state. <laughs> According to some, I don't know, some theories. But anyway, they're always there. It's always there. It's available. But it requires work and it requires turning towards, you know, and that's the thing, isn't it, when you've got, like, if you want the medicine and the all that comes with it, like, I feel like you need to be, it wants your life in exchange. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you need to give your life to it, actually. that I feel very attuned with the sea and I thank you for that because I live by the sea and I don't always tune into that feeling but even your the audio that I'm getting through from you is, is like the sea not just your voice but there's some sounds that sound a bit like the sea That's my, <clears throat> that's my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Or not so much? Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Omi, Omi is is water and uh, 
Yeah, I came by that by by way of my mother, <laughs> which is really the water. Me feels like that's the that's the energy that. has the strongest presence in my consciousness. It's not the only one. But yeah, the, the water. Mm. Mommy Kemi. Yeah. So I'm going to, I feel like I'm settling, kind of, <laughs> kind of feel it in my sitting bone, actually. Um, yeah, that feels right. I feel like some energy moving downward. into my sink bone. And I'm, yeah, I'm getting a sense of myself. It's, it's, it's part of sometimes a, a practice that I do. So the image that's coming now is a little bit different, but yeah. I feel like I'm sitting on some water again, but like, like I'm sitting upright actually. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just floating. Just floating on the, on the waves. But then sur surrounding me, there's this like, it's like a reef of people. <laughs> and the words come. I don't know, I don't know where I'm going. And as I've said that, I'm smiling now. Although you can't see me, I'm smiling because for the first time, one of the, yeah, it's a, one of the few times that that feels okay. And then the circle is like, it's expanding. It's like a ripple expanding outward, actually. Like as many, as many circles as there are knots in a tree, that kind of thing, just round and round, just expanding. 
Yeah. And I'm feeling rooted in the water. I loved hearing from your place. I felt like I could also be there in a certain way. The, the water feels like it's inside me. And I don't allow that very often. I'm aware of my spine. Like um, seaweed, like those bubble seaweeds. Feel quite open and part of that openness is an openness also to the night which is here. And that too is something that I don't allow very often. My hands are soft and laying on the table, palm upwards, Fingers curled, warm, with the crystal in my left hand. I feel like a thread of exhilaration. but also some washing through and some tiredness arriving. Yeah, that's me. Thank you, Rajni. Something came. To me. It feels like it's inappropriate to say now, but that's why I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, all of these things I think I've said to you before, but I guess a significant part of my own experience here is at least for a very long period, having to separate myself from my kin, you know, for my survival. 
And there's something important for me right now about restoring kinship to, you know, questions about what that means. But that's a very distinct kind of experience that I feel like there's a whole bunch of invisible people out here who, you know, have experienced estrangement or are still in that process from from their family. Yeah. And that's a different kind of, uh, that's a different kind of medicine. <laughs> and it reminds me, I guess, in some kind of closing of that, of uh, one of the, one of the pieces from that book, Dub, Finding Ceremony. Mm. And the last line that always rings to me, like it, it comes near every day since I read it. And it was, we would sincerely appreciate it if you stopped pretending to be alone. Just one more thing, Rajni. <laughs> Are you messing with me? Is there really one no, more thing? No, I just wanted to say I love you. <laughs> That's okay. That one more thing's allowed, surely. <laughs> it is surely allowed. And I love you too, very much.
Hey, Roshni. Um, <laughs> it's like a an after after afterthought. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it won't it won't it won't leave me alone. So um, it's up to you what you do with it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I was walking around and. Um, I was talking about care, you know, if you remember that part of the conversation. And I mentioned care and I mentioned vulnerability a lot, but what I didn't mention was upset, the importance of upset and upsetting each other. And that's like a really, really important part of... uh, of the process too. And I don't I don't really know how I forgot that because that's such an important part of my own uh, <laughs> my own constant churning <laughs> is driven by upset and hurt in some way. It's driven by other things but those are important factors. Yeah, so um, I don't know if somehow you can include that. I promise not to leave any more notes with other things that... <laughs> Please, can you include this? Um, but yeah, it just, it just, I was walking down the street and it felt like, yeah, there's, there's something not right. And it was, I just went for a walk and I've come back and I thought, yeah, just drop it. And it's just with me and I'm trying to get on with something and it's just with me. So... Uh, so I'm listening to it and I'm um, passing it on and I guess we'll see what happens. Um, but I guess in terms of the social, the times that we find ourselves in, you know, it feels important for that to be, for that element of the conversation to be there too, you know, the upset. Because I, I feel like a lot of what's going on is, is about deep upset and hurt. Um, which is necessary. That's not me courting it. <laughs> it's just me acknowledging that it's part of it's part of the care and the vulnerability and the healing. Anyway, I'll close there. Thank you.